Good morning. I'm Jordan Peoples, and on Talk Talk today, we're talking about something. What are we talking about? Talking about apologies, babe. Apologies. That's right. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I forgot. Mm, I don't know if that apology's good enough for me or not. Well, what makes a good apology? What makes a bad <laughs> apology? Can we talk about that? Yeah, I think we have time to talk about that. Well, good. And I'm not sorry at all to say that joining me today is Ellie Johnson communication expert. I am excited for today's episode. Ever since you proposed doing an episode on apologies, I've been very, very excited. Mm -hmm. Even though it's this bland sort of sounding topic, I think it's a hot button topic. Yeah. Well, because it's one of those things that we all have to do, whether Mm -hmm. we like it or not. No one looks forward to an apology. Well, not only that, but it's something that's so present in our public sphere as well. We've kind of, we talk about cancel culture all the time, Mm -hmm. um, broadly in society. And I think that new age of expectations of other people has led to where apologies have sort of exited the interpersonal sphere in a way and entered the public sphere. I'm also excited because apologies is really the first speech act that we're covering in this show. Mm -hmm. So something where we have a piece of communication, a piece of speech that is literally substituting for an action Mm -hmm. that you can't do without actually using words. So things like inviting someone, rejecting someone, naming or labeling. These are all things you can only do through communication. And apologizing is, again, one of those things that falls into that category, which I think is really exciting. Yeah, so it's like a highly functional form of speech. Super highly functional form of speech. And I don't really think there's a way for us to function in society without apologizing without having this being just generally a concept. Yeah, because if you didn't have apologies, you would just offend someone, and then you would just move past it, which there are definitely people that try that strategy. Absolutely, absolutely. But it would be us living in an immoral world where there is not um, this acknowledgement, at least, of the offense or the failure that I have committed. Like even animals, to some extent. (laughs) Like if a dog does something bad... And then you go, I mean, some of that, I guess, is like fear of being punished. So they just look submissive and Mm -hmm. sweet. But that also kind of reads, and maybe this is just anthropomorphizing, (laughs) but like as an apology, like, I'm sorry, please don't be mad at me. I'm tiny. No, exactly. It serves this form of a purpose. Um, We do often think about apology being intrinsically connected to this concept of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Thinking that, oh, I have done something bad. I want to receive forgiveness. So the pathway to me receiving forgiveness is typically seen to be apologizing in some form. But the important thing to note and what we're going to dig into in this episode is that not all apologies are equal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are things that we consider to be good apologies. And there's things that we consider to be bad apologies, but we don't really have a handbook that tells us exactly what a good apology is and what a bad apology is. And I bet you that if you took the exact same apology and put it across different situations, just Mm -hmm. moving the offense out and switching it out for another, that you wouldn't see the same outcome Mm -hmm. every single time. That there is so much room for individual perceptual difference Mm -hmm. that your good apology in one situation may make for the worst apology in the world in a different situation. Yeah. And I mean, certainly that's true. Like even if you just think of in magnitude, like if I've done something horrible, then like a really small apology is going to be completely inadequate. I mean, I like to think of the difference between in a romantic partnership, if you break a China dish versus if you cheat on your partner. Sure. Okay. There you go. Those types of things are both offenses that you have committed failures on some part on your behalf, but will the exact same apology have the exact same impact in those situations? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Um, And I think that's what we're going to dig in a bit here today, especially thinking about some of the research, some of what communication experts have found um, Mm -hmm. to be the most efficacious ways to apologize in situations that might vary a bit Mm -hmm. based on the severity. So what's our first situation that we'll be looking into? Yeah, so we're going to start small and grow big. Sort of what I was thinking for today. Um, So starting small with thinking about interpersonal apologies. Mm -hmm. So a situation where, like I was describing earlier, there's two people. One person has committed the offense, and one person has been the victim 
to that offense. Um, and in these situations, we're very much thinking about whenever an interpersonal partner has hurt the other. Whenever we're thinking about what an interpersonal apology is, it is probably going to be a time where one person has done something that causes hurt. So mm-hmm. sure, it could be something like breaking a dish, but more commonly it's things like offending your partner, saying something that was rude or crude, um, breaking a promise to mm-hmm. your partner, um, and in the worst conditions, doing something that could break the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not just thinking about romantic relationships. These are things that apply to family relationships. Or like even just failing a task that your boss set for you, Ex- and now they have to cover your slack or exactly, something. Exactly, exactly. Any type of situation where there's a one-on-one something that has caused hurt is really within this realm of the interpersonal apology. Generally speaking, like I said earlier, we like to think of apologies of serving the purpose of gaining forgiveness for Mm -hmm. us. But what we generally see is that forgiveness is more likely when the victim views your apology as being sincere. Mm -hmm. That's the big factor is were you sincerely apologizing to me or not? And is there any like telltale signs of sincerity that we look for? Or is it just like, I know it when I see it, that it's sincere and I didn't believe that. No. So that's where it gets interesting. Um, So there's been a ton of different theorizing on what are the different pieces of the puzzle that build up an apology and make it seem more sincere to someone. And again, I want to highlight that individual perception falls into this a lot. Mm -hmm. So how do you perceive the apology? How do you perceive the event can change these things a lot? But generally, models have suggested that the sort of puzzle pieces or Lego blocks that build up the perfect apology um, would be things like having a clear statement that frames the apology. So saying, I'm sorry, or Mm. I apologize for this. Okay, Very much not trying to hide the apologize um, action. Um, also this idea that there should be an expression of regret or sadness. So it Mm -hmm. should not be something that you're just stoically saying whenever you're saying that you're sorry. Or you shouldn't be like happy and giggling. That would make it a strange apology. That'd be very odd. Um, (laughs) also there's this idea that you need to be identifying what the offense actually is. Um, acknowledging your own responsibility. Perhaps you need to explain why the offense occurred. Some people also say that there needs to be a promise that it will not occur again. Others say you need an offer of repair. And then finally, perhaps you need a request for forgiveness from the person. However, I just listed off eight different things, Mm -hmm. eight different components that people over time have theorized need to be in the perfect apology. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we are using limited time, limited energy to try to, repair the situation, but also engage in these maintenance behaviors that can keep the relationship moving forward in a sense. So we often don't have time to use every single one of these components, but even just shortening it down to an I'm sorry can be seen as vague or obligatory or rude in a sense. So we really want to find this Goldilocks spot. Well, yeah, because if you just say, like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. without the other person knowing that you're taking responsibility for some specific action, I think that can be frustrating because, like, you're just, you're you're not, you're not sure that they understand the way mm-hmm. in which they've wronged you. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's more likely to happen again. No, there's the classic example of someone saying, I'm sorry, and then you saying, for what? Yeah. What are you sorry for? And they saying, I just thought that you just wanted me to say sorry and things would be better again. Um, but that's not something that tends to be the case. So Bippus and Young, last year, um, they published a piece in the Western Journal of Communication that actually investigated which of these elements are the most important mm-hmm. to having a sincere apology, um, to having an apology that you would forgive the person for the act. So, with. and... Just as a curiosity, uh-huh. like what kind of methodology, like are they just writing up apologies without certain features and then seeing which pe- which ones people like say like that's a good apology, that's a bad apology? Yeah, that's basically what it was. It was a survey-based um, mm-hmm. study where they wrote up a bunch of different apologies, some that had certain aspects, some that did not, mm-hmm. and they asked participants to rate them in terms of which one were the most sincere and which one were the least sincere. And each of these apologies also looked at different types of um, discretion, so something like breaking a promise versus saying something offensive. Mm -hmm. And then they also looked at different severities, so high versus low severity of events. So what factors are the most important 
for making someone perceive that your apology was sincere. Yeah. So in this study, of those eight different categories that I mentioned a few minutes ago, the most important across the board were three of them. Okay. So one, you must articulate that what you are saying is an apology. Okay. So by saying something like, I apologize for X or I am sorry. Interesting, because that one doesn't seem very like content. It's just like being like, I guess it's, it's just the delineating, I am apologizing mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Like these aren't excuses. These aren't like, there's no mealy mouthing around mm-hmm. it. Like I'm explicitly saying I'm putting myself like at your mercy a little bit. Well, I think another part of that too is that there are a lot of people that will readily say what they did. Right. Will readily say, yeah, it's my fault. But saying sorry Mm. is almost a point of weakness for them. Yes. It's almost like the tipping point of I am putting you in power and I am the person that is weak. So that is something that people say is really important is you literally being able to say the words apologize Mm -hmm. or sorry. Yeah. And this is like something political figures, Mm -hmm. some certain ones spring to mind, but they're (laughs) almost any political figure is going Mm -hmm. to try to avoid saying sorry unless they like just cannot for whatever reason, like a PR reason they have to. But in almost any instance where they can avoid those specific words, Mm because they just don't want it to be cut out and Mm -hmm. then soundbited. So what's number two? Number two is that you have to acknowledge responsibility and fully taking it on as being your fault. And I think this is one of the biggest ones that we think about when we think about sincere apologies, Mm -hmm. because there's so many people who will say sorry, will detail what happened, but they will not want to say it was their fault. They will say, oh, well, I did this because you. Right. Or the classic example, I feel like, is the, I'm sorry that you felt that way about what I said or Mm -hmm. something like that. Like, so it's not that I said something wrong. It's that you perceived what I said in the wrong way. I'm sorry if I hurt you. Right. There you go. If is the big word that comes here because that is completely dodging responsibility. So that's the second thing that was super important. And then the third that is super important is identifying what you actually did wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's distinct from responsibility because you can take responsibility for a offense of something that generally caused hurt without actually detailing what you did that was wrong. Mm -hmm. There can be a whole three hour long event that was generally the hurtful event, but it's so important for you actually to pinpoint and say, well, I said this thing to you that was hurtful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or I did this thing to you that was hurtful. You can't just say this three hour event was hurtful for you and it's my fault. Mm-hmm. But rather there is this expectation in a sincere apology that you will sort of go step by step through what you did that was wrong and explain why that was wrong. Okay. So just to recap real quick, because mm-hmm. this is actually, I think quite useful for people. <laughs> you got to say that you're sorry. You got to like address that this is an apology. Yes. And then you have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for what you did. Mm-hmm. And then you need to explain what the event is that you're apologizing for. So I guess they know that you know the thing that you did that hurt them. Yeah. It's that, but it's also literally identifying the actual thing. Mm -hmm. that you did wrong, not just the general event, but like, was it the things that I said that I'm apologizing for? Or was it the things that I physically did that Mm -hmm. I'm apologizing for? So making it as detailed as possible, Mm -hmm. what it actually is that you are sorry for is something that is seen as being the most sincere. Mm -hmm. Because generally, whenever you are being more vague, people can perceive that as you're just trying to take a blanket and cover the entire situation. Right. Ambiguity is bad. Specificity is good for sincerity. Yes, but, okay, there's but. a but that comes along with yeah. this. The lowest ranking of those eight different categories that I listed mm-hmm. is offering an explanation. Interesting. For what you did, which you would think that that adds more detail. To, yeah. Right? Is apologizing for what you did, but then saying, here is why mm. I did what I did, or here is what my intention was yeah. for what I said. Or what I did. And interestingly, so it was generally low, but offering an explanation was generally more acceptable in low severity cases 
as compared to high severity cases. That's very interesting because I feel like yeah. uh, offering an explanation, and maybe this is why it ranks low, mm-hmm. is something that is important to the person who is apologizing because yeah. they want to feel like they're understood for their transgression. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't them acting arbitrarily. It's like, I want to explain mm-hmm. why I've messed up so that you understood that it wasn't just like pure maliciousness or whatever. It was an attentiveness or it was some other non- uh, directly mm-hmm. aggressive act. Oh, honey, you're hitting on it right on the <laughs> nail. I have such a problem with this. <laughs> such a problem with this. Let's just say it with more emphasis. And I completely agree with this finding that I think this is the general perception. Mm-hmm. I think this is generally what people look for. But man, do I hate that people look for this. Because I think there is so much importance in looking at intention, looking at context in these interpersonal settings. Because an interpersonal relationship, no matter what kind it is, it's not me versus you. Mm -hmm. It's us. We are a unit. And we can't read each other's minds. Yeah. Well, and I I was just thinking about, uh, as much as the apology is for the person who's been wronged, Mm -hmm. there's at least some level to the apology Mm -hmm. that is for the person who is apologizing. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe by ranking these categories by only for the wronged Mm -hmm. person, Mm -hmm. you kind of disservice some of the ones that are important to the apologizer. And I think that one specifically is important to the apologizer. Some of my favorite communication-centered recent theorizing has begun to see forgiveness as not just being like an individual thing, but more of a dual thing. Something that whenever there is a hurtful act, both people have to work on this progress for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And while apologies traditionally have been seen as an act of trying to get the other person to forgive you, I think they also serve a purpose of allowing us to forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. Whenever we hurt somebody that we care about, or even in a situation, like you said, in the workplace, whenever we don't fulfill our job to the fullest capacity, that is something that can be really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. We can just think about last week. um, I had a lot of trouble hitting one of my deadlines for one of my conference papers that I was submitting. And I had to write this long email to my Mm -hmm. advisor because I was trying so hard. Um, to kind of seek her forgiveness for not being able to fully meet the standard that I had set for myself. But I think what I was trying to do more with that email was not seek her forgiveness, but to seek forgiveness for myself. Right. To myself for the expectations that I had sent. So I think... And there, like, a justification is crucial because that's... Like, when you're forgiving yourself, I think... Oh, my gosh. Understanding your own intentions is probably critical, which I can say with... No research at all, but just that feels true to me as just a guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I absolutely, and I think this, and I hate this. I hate to say this so bad. This is where we're going to get into gender differences again. Yeah. I think this is a phenomena that women have created. Created. Mm. I am so sorry to my womankind for saying that, <laughs> but I think that women have really created this idea that it is wrong to provide an explanation hmm. in, in our personal settings for what has been done wrong. Because I think that men generally like that. Mm -hmm. And that was something in this study that they mentioned as being an issue with their sample is that it was like literally 90% women and Hmm. 10% men. It was very highly biased. So I would be interested to see if men would be more likely to say that offering an explanation was okay. Because I think that men generally tend to be a bit more practical thinkers, Mm -hmm. whereas women are a bit more emotional fixed thinkers. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean there aren't exceptions, but I think generally that is the cause. And that's why I think a lot of these expectations to not offer an explanation have very much predominated in our society. Well, and I think there's probably also an association of when the explanation is being given, Mm -hmm. it can sometimes feel as a non taking of responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's shifting it from being like, this is just some way that I screwed up to being like, well, there was this mechanism that was happening and the mechanism spiraled out of control. And yes, I'm responsible for the mechanism, but it was the mechanism that did it, not me. No, no, exactly. And I want to caveat this with saying, because I know people are probably going to listen to me saying on this, like, Ellie, what the heck? Like, why are you 
saying that offering an explanation is a good thing. That doesn't mean that I'm okay with people throwing around excuses left and right. right. I don't want you to throw around excuses mm-hmm. to me left and right. But I do think that there is some value in understanding just where did the action come from? Mm-hmm. If I can understand what your mindset was whenever you did what you did, that helps me repair our relationship more. Mm-hmm. It helps us thrive more as a pairing of some sort, be it a couple, be it a friendship, be it a workplace relationship. Mm -hmm. That helps us move forward better together. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people sometimes get tunnel vision whenever they're dealing with hurt, whenever they're dealing with apologies. And we're not thinking about the future. Mm -hmm. We're not thinking about the past. We're thinking about the moment where we are hurt. So I don't want your apologies. I don't, or I want your apologies, but I don't want your explanations Mm -hmm. and your excuses. But those are things that me being an interpersonal scholar, I think is something that is so important. And I would love to see a shift in that direction. Yeah. I think another interesting thing, is accepting an apology mm-hmm. because you can people can be kind of you can either be gracious accepting an apology or mm-hmm. kind of cruel like you can kind of make someone drag themselves over the coals mm-hmm. or you can you can try to be empathetic and try to see where they're coming from and i i definitely think those have a huge impact on whether the relationship is being repaired or not mm-hmm. someone's explaining their intentions you're like i just totally don't get where you're coming from yeah. it just seemed like you were arbitrary and mean it's like well that's probably not going to be mm-hmm. very helpful for the person apologizing if mm-hmm. you just don't humanize their actions mm-hmm. in any way for them. Though again, that's not to say like e- all these things, it's always like a balance because mm-hmm. both people can be on different parts of this spectrum of explaining versus taking responsibility mm-hmm. versus all of these things. Mm-hmm. But you kind of have to consider all of them. No, I think you're exactly right. And you want to know what was like beaming in the back of my head mm. whenever I was writing my notes for this episode. Mm. I was thinking about how do we teach kids to apologize. Yeah. And I thought about the, the classic example. We have all seen it happen multiple times where a kid does something wrong, Mm -hmm. does something disruptive and their parent goes up to them and they're like, what do you say? What do you say? And the kid is sort of like looking down. They're like, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then they go and they run off and do what they do. I think that is such a, weird way to socialize kids to apologize yeah given what we know the purpose of apologizing is for do you think that's partially why though that's the most important element of all like delineating that you're in a that you're saying sorry is because we all have that ingrained from our rearing that we have to say sorry and so that means like (laughs) if that's absent that's not a real apology because we all believe because we were taught that it was a crucial part that Mm -hmm. if that's absent everything's gone uh, maybe yeah that that's they, that makes a good point because i think and i've seen this happen sometimes like what do you say what do you say and there's nothing about the actual reflection on mm-hmm. what have i done wrong in this situation which i think is so important like actually having a kid sit down and be like now why am i asking you to say sorry mm-hmm. what is the point of me asking you to say sorry and i'm sure some parents in the home after the event happens they have conversations with their children but what i've seen is it almost becomes just this call and response right type action where the kid is just grumpy because they're not getting what they want and they know that the way to get what they want is to say those two magic words Mm -hmm. and it makes everything better i also wonder if there's like some sort of phases by Mm -hmm. which these different steps can be introduced to kids Mm -hmm. because like a three-year-old or something I don't think has the presence of mind to understand how they've hurt another person who thinks mm-hmm. and feels in the same way mm-hmm. they think and feel like that's kind of too much. So you got, you have to give them on step one. Right. And then maybe you get them to take responsibility for their actions mm-hmm. just because they can understand that they are the agents mm-hmm. of the, whatever action they're performing. Mm-hmm. And then you get to them explaining why it is what they did hurt someone. Cause I feel like that's the most abstract. Right. No, I certainly think there's a degree to where developmental psychology does have to play in the, factor here i'm not a psychologist so i can't say much about that and i'm certainly not (laughs) no you're certainly not a developmental psychologist um but something i just think it's interesting i think about my goodness how old is she now eight years old my eight-year-old little cousin who is sort of like a niece figure to me Mm -hmm. and still like whenever she does something that is wrong her mom and dad are like what do you say and she does the whole thing where she gets all scrunchy in the face and she's like i'm sorry and then she runs off it's interesting because you would think an eight-year-old does have the capacity Mm -hmm. to understand and i'm sure she thinks about these things but i do think just across the board it would be interesting to see i guess how could we socialize children to be 
more compassionate adults mm-hmm. in that way, more empathetic adults well, in that way. And you also have to, the like the last hurdle of an apology is getting mm-hmm. over the emotional thing of like lowering yourself mm-hmm. in order to repair. Like, cause you do, it's like a, a hit to your own ego. Mm-hmm. And so that's also <sighs> a challenge that kids have to overcome. Cause that, that's a hard thing for a person to do. Yeah. It yeah. takes some level of maturity. Yeah. And you know, there are some, 70 year olds out there who don't have that level of maturity oh my gosh i think i'm gonna start acting like that i'm yeah. gonna start like making you say ellie what do you say yeah i'm sorry and i'm just gonna run off to the corner and cry yeah and then i won't accept your apology and i'll be equally won't. bad no you're gonna say ellie you have to do all seven other parts yeah but this one okay all right so when we move out <laughs> to the next level of mm-hmm. apology or yes. the next size. So what, what are we moving towards? We are moving to a whole new breed. Okay. Okay. We just watched uh, Godzilla versus Kong mm-hmm. last night. And if interpersonal apologies are the little puppy dogs that run across the streets, corporate apologies are the giant titan monsters that are tearing mm-hmm. down the city. Okay. I really wanted to talk about this type of apology because I think it is becoming so much more common. Mm -hmm. This is where I was getting at where I think that apology has expanded from the interpersonal to the more public sphere of just understanding in human society. There's not a day really now that I don't get on social media and see at least somewhere where someone who is a public figure is apologizing for something. Right. Okay. They have posted this huge, clearly very thought through text statement where they are apologizing for something that they have done. And I call this a different breed of apology, not because of the scope of it, but also because they're not just apologizing to one person like mm-hmm. you are in Interpersonal. They are apologizing to the world. The public. The public. And there's a whole new skew of challenges that are to be approached with that. Because I, as I mentioned earlier, there is so much room for perceptual difference in apology. Mm-hmm. From individual to individual, a good apology could seem good, and the same apology could seem bad to yeah. a different person. Well, that, that is interesting, because you d- don't have as much reciprocity yeah. in a in a public apology. You don't yeah. get one person to be like, Oh, I see where you were coming from. Yeah. You, there's the whole gamut of people. Mm-hmm. And also each one of those people, if it's like social media or whatever, has their own ability to start a little fire. So if there's a, a, yeah. a problem in your apology mm-hmm. and eight out of 10 people like it, mm-hmm. but then two of the 10 don't, and then mm-hmm. they start talking about it, other people might be like, oh, they're kind of right. There is kind of a problem with this apology. And then it re-expands it, out to it everyone. It grows. It yeah. grows. People read those comments and they form their own opinions of the apology based on what other people's opinions of the apology. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this on multiple occasions, a big, I guess, philosophical question that I have as a communication scholar, anytime that there's a big public apology that happens, is I ask myself, is there a right answer? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that LeBron James or whoever could mm-hmm. have posted on Instagram that would have made me or the public congruently agree that this is sincere and they deserve forgiveness. Yeah. And to some extent, it seems like the answer almost has to be no, because when you're dealing with such a varied audience, different things hit different people in different ways. Mm -hmm. And you get to say, I mean, you can say a long thing, but Mm -hmm. it's still going to be like, you have one unit of things you can say Mm -hmm. and you can't cater that to everyone unless you have like, um, a bunch of, like a bunch of fragmented mm-hmm. apologies that are all in a list, but then it just starts mm-hmm. to seem like you're prattling on and on. Like there's, there's, there's no way to uh, uh, please everyone at once. Right. And going even further than that, most of the time, whenever public apologies are occurring, they're for something that is particularly heinous. Yeah. They're for something that's not small stuff. If you're having to make a public apology, you have done something that's really, really bad. Yeah. It's got to be bad enough that it survives like a Mm -hmm. new cycle or Mm -hmm. more. Like if Mm -hmm. you've done something bad enough that it gets on the news and everyone's braiding you, you're, I think most corporations are like, let's see if this plays Mm -hmm. itself out. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, then they're like, oh, dang. No. But the thing is, is in those types of situations, I think even on the individual level, if you are super heated up about what this person that you don't know personally has Mm -hmm. done, a person that is just a symbol of this greater bad, be it sexism, racism, whatever, 
that you are against, is there something that that person can say that will satisfy you, Mm -hmm. that will make you feel like, okay, you are forgiven and you can move on? Mm -hmm. I think that's a lot harder to do whenever it's a person that we just look at their pictures on the internet. Mm -hmm. We don't get to hug them. We don't get to hear their voice in our ear, Mm -hmm. you know, asking for our forgiveness. It's such a different type of situation. And I think it has to be considered as such because of that difference. And this isn't to say you can't have those types of situations that interpersonal. I've definitely had situations. Um, I had a conflict with my best friend a few years ago where she had, you know, done something that really, really hurt me. Mm-hmm. And it was a process of apologizing. There was not one apology. There was not three apologies. It was a very long process of, you know, us repairing our relationship. But in those moments, especially in those early apologies, I reflect on them and realize that there's nothing that she could have said that would have made me feel better Mm -hmm. in that situation. Yeah, I guess there's also a time component to apologies, interpersonal Mm -hmm. and otherwise, Mm -hmm. where if if you apologize too early, it might just, the listener might not be ready to hear your apology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you wait too long, that's also bad. Time is certainly important whenever we're thinking about apologies. And speaking of timely apologies, I thought it would be fun for us to discuss a recent corporate apology, Mm -hmm. very recent corporate apology, Um, and talk about if we think it's good or bad or not. Okay. I I have an opinion, but I'm I'm interested to hear your opinion, and I think the listeners will be interested in forming their own opinions as well. Um, So this is the recent Amazon controversy. Mm -hmm. This um, is something that some of our listeners may have heard about. Some of them may have not, but it's been something that has been really rampant on Twitter. So to give some background, have you heard about it? I have seen it a little bit. I haven't like mm-hmm. read an entire article about it, mm-hmm. but like I've, I've been aware of headlines popping up around the issue. And and okay. I don't know if you want me to summarize it or if you want to summarize it, but like it has to do with people having time to take bathroom breaks yeah. and whether or not they have to use the bathroom yeah. in bottles or something yeah. while. So I'll detail it because okay. it is a bit of a saga. Okay. It was not just you know this immediate thing. Well, that's my perception from what I've gleaned off of. Sound bites, basically. Yeah, so it's a bit of a recent saga. So a few days ago, Dave Clark, who is basically the guy that's in charge of Amazon's entire supply chain, big deal, makes a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Okay, he made a series of tweets that were in response to Bernie Sanders visiting Alabama workers that work for Amazon. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you've seen it on the news. Everyone's probably seen it on the news that in Birmingham, they're considering unionizing. There's Mm going to be a vote, and that could be a really big thing in terms of the history and the future of unions in the United States. Mm -hmm. So Bernie Sanders, obviously, um, just based on his politics, is wanting for them to unionize, is there to talk to them about the process. Um, And Dave Clark made a series of tweets in response to this saying that... uh, Amazon is basically already a progressive workplace. All of these things that people are demanding mm-hmm. um, from the unionization of Amazon, they already get. So Then why are they so against unionizing if they already have the things? <laughs> That's the big question. But Dave Clark yes. was saying, like, we already have a progressive workplace. And if you're interested in how you can make $15 an hour, sure, you can go listen to Bernie Sanders. Or you can just come work for Amazon. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So that's basically the gist of what he said. So in response to those tweets, Representative Mark Pecan from Wisconsin, I don't know why someone from Wisconsin was commenting on this, but... I, I guess that's a... It used to be a, like a union hotspot up there because there used to be all oh. these factories and stuff like that, but I don't know. What, what's his comment? Yeah, so he responds and says, paying workers $15 an hour doesn't make you a progressive workplace when you union bust and make workers urinate in water bottles. Yeah. Okay. So he's directly calling out. Jordan mentioned it earlier, but there was a 2018 expose that mm-hmm. came out on Amazon where they found out that uh, particularly male truck drivers mm-hmm. for Amazon were having to pee in bottles because they weren't able or allowed to take breaks whenever they were driving. Right. And I assume it was predominantly male. 
I, it wouldn't surprise me if the truck drivers are predominantly mm-hmm. male in general, but also just anatomically, it's easier. No, to that, think, that's yeah. the point. And there's been other like interviews with female workers that were like, yeah, we've heard about this, but we can't do it because of our anatomical um, design of our body. <laughs> yeah. um, so anyways, this tweet was made. And then following that tweet, the official Amazon.com Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Now this huge account that has so many Mm-hmm. gets on Twitter and responds to Representative Pocon saying verbatim, you don't really believe the peeing in bottles thing, do you? If that were true, nobody would work for us. The truth is that we have over a million incredible employees around the world who are proud of what they do and have great wages and health care from day one. We hope you can enact policies that get other employers to offer what we already do. Yeah, see, so that is the, I assume, the flashpoint. Because that's like no kind of apology. That is like an instigation. That is like a, and it's such a, dumb thing for Amazon to say because they're it's basically saying like this would never happen and whenever you speak in absolutes like as long as people have some exceptions you're just going to look like a hypocrite mm-hmm. and if Amazon really believed that people weren't going to be able to find examples of this they're yes. deluding themselves this was insane this coming from the official amazon.com twitter account and it absolutely blew up on Twitter and it expanded to outside of Twitter. Um, people were so mad. People who were not mad about mm-hmm. the urination in water bottles became mad about the urination in water yeah. bottles. They basically put gasoline in their own fire, essentially, yeah. with this tweet. They did not help anything for standing up for and, themselves. And it's wild to think that the person handling that account was surely a public relations <gasps> professional. And it's mm-hmm. just like, how do you how do you botch that so bad? So, so badly. So anyways, people got mad. Um, another uh, investigative reporter that I follow on Twitter, I love his work. His name's Ken Klippenstein. Okay. And he does all this stuff where he has secure lines where people can call him and drop tips. And he found out through these tips that people had also been doing number two in boxes. On yeah, like all this other stuff was happening. Well, that's for anyone. That's not gender specific. Anyone no, can poop exactly, in a box. Exactly. Exactly. And there were other things that were like female gender specific that I sure. won't go into on this podcast. But we can, but we infer, can imagine. We can imagine what else was happening here. Um, so in response to that, Amazon began, or at least people believe that Amazon began mm-hmm. creating fake accounts in mass on Twitter that were people that were like Bert at Amazon, mm-hmm. Kate at Amazon, using stock pictures as the profile picture and yeah. saying, wow, I love working at Amazon. Yeah. I don't want to unionize. One of my favorite things about being an Amazon employee is using an actual <laughs> toilet. <laughs> exactly. It was literally stuff like that. Like yeah. literally bot created stuff. So people got frustrated at that, obviously. So of course, Amazon had to issue an apology. This apology came out, I believe, uh, April 2nd. So two days ago from the recording of this podcast. And in their apology, um, the first line is, we owe an apology to Representative Pocon. Okay. Okay? And I'm just going to paraphrase essentially what they said. They go first, second, third. Mm-hmm. And in first, they say that the tre- tweet that they sent was incorrect because they only focused on fulfillment centers. Hmm. And now we realize, oh, you were talking about the drivers. We thought you were talking about the fulfillment. It was just a misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding. <laughs> no one pees in bottles at our fulfillment centers. Yeah. Our, wagging my finger. Whoopsies. Yeah. Number two, they said that the process of sending the tweet was flawed. Hmm. Okay, It should have went through more hoops. We don't know how it got sent. Yeah. We are just hands in the air. What can we do when you send a tweet? Yeah. I don't know. Whoopsie daisies. Whoopsie daisies. I tripped and typed this. <laughs> and then number three, um, they said, we know that finding public restrooms can be especially hard in COVID times. Hmm. So they focus very specifically on in COVID times. Yeah. As if though, there's no incidences of this happening outside of COVID times. Well, the expose was in 2018. Yeah. There you last, go. <laughs> and last time I heard it was coronavirus 2019, Amazon. Yeah. Jokes Which on you. primarily affected 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going to read verbatim the last few lines of their apology. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a long-standing industry-wide issue and is not specific to Amazon. We've included just a few links below that discuss the issue. 
Okay. And for those of you who are not looking at the apology right now, there's links that says Uber drivers pee in bottles. Yeah. People at this company, people at FedEx, people, you know, yeah. goes on and on and on. Nothing about Amazon. Just all yeah. these. Very other much companies. not taking responsibility. And then they say, regardless of the fact that this is industry wide, we would like to solve it. We don't know how yet, but we will look for solutions. Yeah. We will continue to speak out when we are misrepresented but we will also work hard to always be accurate. We apologize to Representative Pocon. Yeah, so that's a bad apology, I think. What's standing out to you there, Jordan? Well, like like I just said, like the uh, responsibility thing. Mm-hmm. They they certainly have said the words, I'm sorry. But then they it's, yes. it's very much like, I'm sorry if you thought we meant one thing, but mm-hmm. we actually meant another thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, so they, they've taken the thing that everyone is angry about, and they've tried to move the window a little bit mm-hmm. to where they're talking about an adjacent thing. And mm-hmm. it's like they're hoping we won't notice that they shifted the goalposts a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, as if, like, we're upset that people are taking peeing in bottles and and now we're like oh that was industry wide mm-hmm. everyone oh well no okay that's fine if everyone was doing it then well, it's okay that how we could did. i possibly blame amazon for this minor transgression mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so yeah i like and it's it's another like i said like there's mm-hmm. a pr professional that sent the first thing and clearly yeah. this was all hands on deck in the pr department trying to write the an apology mm-hmm. that paints them in a good light while mm-hmm. still being satisfying to the public. Yeah. And I got to say, I don't think this is it, but also <laughs> I don't know just cause the nature of Amazon, mm-hmm. if it matters, cause like what if people want to start ordering from a different place. Uh-huh. Like, so it's, they almost don't even have to give an apology, but I would say it's a bad one as far as apologies go. Well, and something else that I noticed that you didn't bring up mm. is this was a, an apology to the representative. Right. They weren't apologizing to anyone else. Mm-hmm. They were solely apologizing for the fact that we sent a tweet. They were right. not apologizing for any of the claims. Right. That's huge. That is absolutely huge. And this follows a lot with a study that I found. Mm-hmm. So I love any time that you look at communication research and physiological response. Yeah. I love that connection between our actual biological response yeah. and communication. And what they did in this study, I love it. Mm-hmm. They showed participants videos of corporate apologies. Mm-hmm. Okay, They had a list of like eight. And half of these apologies were ones that had been resolved. So the company made the efforts to resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. And the other half within a year of the video had not been resolved. Okay? Okay. So you had a half and half balance. And what they did while the participants were watching the videos was they put little skin conductors on their hands mm-hmm. to track their like sweat things of that nature. And they were trying to determine physiological arousal while mm-hmm. they were watching the video. At the end of each video, participants were told, okay, you have earned $3 for watching this video. Now, if you believe that this issue was resolved within a year, you can bet any amount of those earnings. And if it was resolved, mm-hmm. you'll double it. Yeah. However, if it was unresolved, you go to zero. You lose it all. Okay. Okay, so two different things happening. And so they're, they're betting that based on the apology, whether mm-hmm. or not it came true. Mm-hmm. So if the apology is more believable, they're more likely to think it's true and they're more likely to bet on it. To wager. That was the argument. Okay, so they were looking at, do we consciously make these decisions mm-hmm. that apologies are sincere in the corporate sphere? Or do we subconsciously make these decisions? Okay. And what they found, okay, is generally... Whenever participants were watching videos of apologies where the situation was still unresolved, they had more physiological arousal. Hmm. So they got more angry. Right. They felt it, literally. Just from the apology. Just from the apology. They could tell that that was something that was unresolved because of the lack of sincerity of it. Hmm. However, participants were more likely to wager for the unresolved issues. That's bizarre. Yeah, it's bizarre. That we have this unconscious understanding, kind of that fight or flight reaction mm-hmm. of knowing whenever someone is lying to us in that situation, okay, and that something is not going to be resolved. And we can tell that physiologically, but we can't consciously. Yeah. If we're being asked to verbalize if something is resolved or not, if it's sincere or not, we can't. We only have the perception if yeah. something is sincere. Hmm. Or not, which is really interesting. And they also did a moment-by-moment analysis Mm -hmm. of when their arousal changed. 
Okay, so they were looking at the actual time by time whenever certain things in the video happened. And the events that caused less arousal, because things that had a notable decline in arousal, was whenever the people in the videos would use you language. Hmm. So you are hurting. We have disappointed you. Yeah. Focusing it on them. Yeah. Even if the event didn't happen to them. Okay. That's something that was calming for people. People really like that. Um, another thing is talking about how the event affected individuals. So actually talking about who was affected by what we did. Okay. Not only. And so like Amazon, again, doesn't have doesn't that. Doesn't do that. They don't talk about you language at yeah. all. They're only addressing it to this one person who's very powerful. Yeah. Not... And I feel like part of the reason they did that is mm -hmm. they think that maybe they could get an apology from that guy. And if they did, I don't think they have because that apology no. was terrible. But if yeah. it was a good apology and that one guy was like, this, yeah. I, I understand you're taking steps to mm -hmm. resolve, resolve this or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they could be like, look, we did it. He, he forgave us. The mm -hmm. one guy who was wrong. Yeah. Even though it was like all these other people that were wronged who were not yeah. addressed. And but anyway, go on. No, no, that's all like, I think that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. And the third thing that was in the ones with less arousal was how they would correct. So the person in the video actually saying, these are the steps that we are going to take mm -hmm. ourselves to correct the situation. Again, Amazon didn't do that. Yeah. They're like, we don't know how to fix the situation. Yeah. How could this possibly be done? Right. Everyone in the industry's doing it. If they can't figure it out, <laughs> how can we, little old Amazon, possibly deal with this issue? Exactly. And then on the other hand, um, there wasn't as many things that caused more arousal, but the biggest thing that across videos, across participants, caused more arousal in the individuals was a failure to acknowledge that the corporation would remedy. And I think that's really what Amazon did. Like there was a failure of a definitive statement of we are going to fix this problem. Mm -hmm. I read some of the transcripts of the videos that these people watched. And even in situations where the corporation didn't have a direct answer, if they were able to say, we are going to fix this, mm -hmm. we ourselves, the company are going to fix this. That was something that was really reassuring to people watching the videos. Mm -hmm. And Amazon didn't even do that. They yeah. just said, we'll try. We don't know how, but we'll, We'll see what we can do. Like, the, and the thing is, like, this this seems like a dumb solution, mm -hmm. but, like, even if they had to rent out office spaces across mm -hmm. America and, like, strip malls, mm -hmm. like, Amazon, and, every, and it's just, like, an Amazon bathroom mm -hmm. center for mm -hmm. Amazon truck drivers, mm -hmm. like, that's not even, like, so much money that it would be impossible for Amazon to do, no. I feel like. Like, and that's, like, the worst solution I can think of. <laughs> I think if there was any company in the world that could resolve this problem. Yeah. It's Amazon. Because they already have places all over. And they have like little pop-up shops. Exactly. And all this kind of thing. Like if you're worried about them having access to public bathrooms and there's like mm -hmm. interstate bathrooms, so all this kind of thing isn't enough, mm -hmm. you could just get more public bathrooms. Right. You could source them from somewhere. Right. You could make a deal with McDonald's that your <laughs> employees are allowed to come use their bathrooms or something right. for some large amount of money. Right. You isn't have it, all the money you need to solve the problem. Isn't it crazy that you and me sitting right here can come up with all these amazing solutions to this terrible problem that Amazon could <laughs> not and they just gave us a we'll see. I mean these solutions do cost some amount of money and they would prefer to spend no amount of money. <laughs> no, that that's really true, but I did think that study sort of highlighted yeah. what went wrong. Obviously this was not a great apology by Amazon. No. And the public did not respond to it very well. I don't think the representative has responded such thus far. He may have, but I doubt that he would say, good job, Amazon. Yeah. He's like, well, you, you, everything I was worried about, you fixed. Thanks. You're now my favorite company. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I do want to say, and this is a thought that I have on public relations in general, is I think this trend that we've seen ourselves moving towards is these text-based apologies. Mm -hmm. So people like Amazon posting these long texts. Yeah. People on Instagram now, they'll like post screenshots of the notes app yes. on their iPhone with an apology. I think that's messed up. Hmm. I think that, and I just, I don't think that it's messed up in the sense like, wow, how dumb is that? Like, I just think that it's not working. It's working against what they want. What, yeah. Because something else that they found in this study was that whenever the person in the video was looking directly to the camera, mm. there was less arousal. Whenever yeah. they felt like they were talking to them, yeah, that induced people to feel calm. That's and I think that these texts, you can't even get that. There's such a lack of a personal element. Right. 
And I understand the legal element of it. I understand completely. Like, but why you can write I... a script and stick to it verbatim no. if you're c- worried about the word choice. No, exactly. And people make fun of YouTube apologies so much mm-hmm. where people are just like getting on YouTube to make an apology video and they look so sad mm-hmm. and so somber and the title is just I'm sorry and all lowercase. Yeah. People make fun of them so bad. But I think that's a much better strategy PR-wise mm-hmm. in terms of getting a message across and actually having your apology be accepted. Yeah. Well, in text, like you can use language that invokes mm-hmm. a certain tone in text, mm-hmm. but you do, the people reading it mm-hmm. are also going to bring a little bit of their own feeling toward the situation into mm-hmm. reading the text. Mm-hmm. So it might work if there's a bunch of people who are fans of your work and mm-hmm. they're reading it, they might read in some of their own good intentions mm-hmm. towards you into the apology and it mm-hmm. might work for them. But for all the people that are just angry at you, they're going right. to bring that anger into the reading of the thing. Oh, exactly. And it's like, even especially on Instagram, whenever you read an apology and you immediately move to reading the comments, right. there's this just like constant state of analysis that I mm-hmm. think is happening that doesn't happen whenever you are watching or listening to an apology. Mm-hmm. Whenever I have the text in front of me, I can pour apart every single word. Mm-hmm. Like literally that's what rhetoricians do is pour apart every single word of some text. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening here. Whereas if you're listening to it, sure, you can replay a video but you're just less analytical whenever mm-hmm. you're distracted by things like eye contact, emotive response, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Now, do, do, I, do I think that people need to be on YouTube sobbing? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have so much money and so much power yeah. and you're being mean to me. Like, that's literally what Tony Hayward did whenever BP had the oil spill. Mm-hmm. And he literally got fired because people got so mad at him for saying, I just want my life back mm-hmm. in response to all the tragedy. Well, and I'm sure that's why Amazon doesn't want that. It's like, they, no no Amazon executives like, mm-hmm. hey, let me be the person mm-hmm. who's the pea bottle fall guy. Jeff Bezos, please yeah. get on Twitch right now <laughs> <laughs> and live stream your apology. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like it, I do agree that it'd be good if there's a person there, and like mm-hmm. I don't know who you single out to do that because mm-hmm. you don't want like a fall no. person. So it has to be some sort of high-ranking official if it's going to mean anything. Yeah, I think this goes back though to what I said earlier of I don't think there's a right answer in these situations. Yeah, I don't. I think you could have a person, but then again, the things that you're bringing up mm-hmm. come into play, and that's why they have shifted to right. text based like. It's a volleying back and forth of trying to decide what the right answer is. And unfortunately, whenever you are a very powerful person Mm -hmm. that have clearly taken your power to do something harmful, Mm -hmm. that's never going to be received well by the public. Right. And this could even be a tactical bad apology. Like, it's not a good (laughs) apology, and they know they're going to get hit for it, but they suspect they'll get hit for it less Mm -hmm. than... Like a video that can get played on news stations. Mm -hmm. Because now they're just going to have news anchors reading the thing that they wrote. Mm -hmm. And that's a little less clippable, a little less Mm -hmm. like pick apartable. Like you you can still pick apart it like word by word, like you said, but Mm -hmm. it's drier. You know, I had this thought whenever I saw the original tweet that they sent that Mm -hmm. started with, you don't really believe the peeing in bottles thing, do you? What a stupid start to a tweet. That's wild. I think that they might have been trying to make something that was memeable. Really? I think they might have been trying to make something that like people somewhere would think was funny. Like the nonchalant nature of that first statement. Oh, but it's such a misread of the situation. I know, know, but I could absolutely see a PR expert at Amazon being like, the key to success today is memes that people post. Like, what a burn. Ha, 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 ha. I just don't think I've ever heard that sentence. Like, you don't really believe this thing, do you? Like, the only way that that can ever be taken is as someone being enormously condescending. No, I know. But that was the first thing that came into my head because we see snarky Twitter accounts. Yeah. Like Wendy's or whatever. I think they're the, no, Wendy's is the big one, but everyone tries to do this nowadays. And I could see some big exec at Amazon being like, why can't we do what Wendy's does? Yeah. And being like, someone go respond to this tweet. Let's try it out. And it just completely misfired. All right. Well, that has been our episode on apologies. Yeah. And I hope you're not sorry. You listened to it. I'm certainly not sorry for giving it to you. What you talking about? Talk, 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 talk.